plant a garden is to believe in the future. That quote from the late actor Audrey Hepburn rings especially true at a community garden in Wendell, North Carolina. There, Southeast Asian refugees who suffer persecution in their home country are transforming what was once a slave plantation into a peaceful oasis. These gardeners, part of North Carolina's Karan community, are reconnecting with the food traditions they grew up with. They're sharing these traditions with their children, and they're working to bring new crops to market, all in an effort to build a stronger future for their families. I'm Dee Shore from North Carolina State University's College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and in this episode of Farms, Food, and You, we'll consider the benefits of community gardens in general and those being enjoyed by the gardeners who are part of the new Karen Community Farm in particular. It's late summer and gardeners across North Carolina are harvesting vegetables and fruit sown during a spring of uncertainty and isolation. They're watermelons, cantaloupes, butter beans, okra, cucumbers, squash. Look around and you might see a big backyard encircled by a sturdy fence aimed at keeping the deer and rabbits away. A new COVID-era victory garden laid out in neat, well-marked rows. Or a tiny apartment patio container garden of flowers and herbs. You also might see evidence of community gardens, places where people come together during the growing season with a common purpose. Lucy Bradley is a North Carolina State University gardening expert and a state and national leader in the area of community gardens. A community garden is a place where people come together to garden for a number of different reasons. So there are community gardens where people come together to, to grow food. They may come together to beautify their neighborhood. They may um, come together for therapeutic reasons to help people grow. It may be an entrepreneurial market community garden where the, the members actually sell the produce for income. And then there's a variety of youth gardens and school gardens. Bradley says that community gardens offer several benefits. When you're talking about food gardens, the obvious outcome is food. So people produce healthy, fresh food. They've had some control over how that food is grown and what types of, of herbicides or pesticides or fertilizers are used on that food. But you also grow people and you grow communities and you build relationships and networks that help your communities. Bradley says that research has shown that people who participate in community gardens improve their diets by eating more fruits and vegetables. Community gardens also have economic, social, and environmental benefits. In terms of the bigger picture for community gardens overall, there's been studies that show that there's a reduction in crime in neighborhoods where community gardens have, have been created. We certainly create urban wildlife habitat and urban pollinator habitat. And even studies that show that the value of property around community gardens goes up. Community gardens at schools also have important advantages. Liz Driscoll is an NC State University 4-H Youth Development Specialist. Those benefits we have found have um, been increased academic achievement, increased positive attitudes around 
not only science, but health and nutrition. It often is a more inclusive space. And so we have found that some of our students who maybe don't thrive as much in a traditional academic setting might thrive in a garden. So it could be a place for them to achieve in a different way. At the Karen Community Farm in Eastern White County, young and old are profiting from a new gardening partnership. The project is giving new life to an old farm, and it's helping immigrant families connect in new ways to their new home in North Carolina's Piedmont. The Karen refugees arrived around a decade ago from camps in Thailand, where they'd lived for years after being persecuted in the countryside of Burma a Southeast Asian country now known as Myanmar. Civil war broke out there in the late 1940s after Burma gained its independence from Great Britain. The Karen people, an ethnic minority, suffered brutal persecution at the hands of the ruling government. The war is one of the longest, if not the longest, civil war in the world today. Kay Coleman is helping the Karen refugees establish their new garden. She first met some of them in Raleigh when she helped them set up a one-acre plot within the farm she ran for the nonprofit Interfaith Food Shuttle. When the nonprofit agency could no longer accommodate the Karen garden, Coleman connected the refugees with someone she thought could help. Talmadge Brown is a retired NC State University professor and a food shuttle volunteer. He owns a small piece of what had been a 4,500-acre plantation established by his great-great-great-grandfather in 1798. A little bit about the background of the farm. This farm is called Oakley Grove. It's a farm where my mother was born and raised. And she had six brothers and sisters. And... At the time I was born, my grandmother was still living. And we used to go out there on holidays. It became a special place to me. Brown says some of his fondest memories are from time spent at Oakey Grove, hearing his aunts and uncles and mother talk about the old days. He and his mother went on to purchase a piece of the farm, and Brown doesn't want the land to become another housing development. He saw a partnership with the Karen community as a win-win. I saw this as an opportunity to keep it as a farm, get into sustainable farming, and if our project would be successful, it could grow to be quite a benefit to the Karen community and would benefit me and then helping me maintain this farm. So that's why we're working for us now. With the help of Brown, Coleman, and others, the Karen community began building their garden at Oakey Grove in 2019. Most of the families who are now growing produce in the garden are doing so to feed themselves and their families. Two farmers want to market some of the Asian specialty crops they grow. One of them, Tusaw Yue, gave us a quick tour of the three-acre community garden at Oakey Grove. It was a hot day cooled by a brisk wind. As the gardeners worked, they shared stories and laughter. <laughs> Some things that we saw in the Karen Garden are common to most North Carolina plots. 
things like eggplant and okra, cucumbers, and tomatoes. But there were Asian specialty plants, like yard-long beans. Yard-long beans are like string beans, only longer than Tussaw's arm. Growing on a bamboo trellis, there were basketball-sized water gourds, long, skinny ridge gourds, and then greenish-yellow gourds that Coleman held in her outstretched hand. They're called bitter gourds, and she says their name tells you all you need to know about their taste. Tussaw then led us to another area of the garden. He stopped and pointed out lemongrass, turmeric, and even rice plants that his fellow farmer Tupac Lowe is growing. Coleman wanted to know more about these. What varieties do you use? Do you know? I don't know. I have to ask her. Because when we grew rice at the farm, we had to dig a hole. And every time I passed by it, I had to pour a five-gallon bucket of water on it. <laughs> there are three or five different kinds of uh, rice in Burma. The one that we plant on the mountainside, that is good for growing in the rainy season. Uh -huh. You don't need a lot of water, but it's fed by the rainwater. The one that we grew in the low-level area, yeah, you need to give them plenty of water there. That's like the rice paddy. That is another kind. This takes longer to grow. So is this the mountainside kind? I think. Because if it's not in the mountain, you cannot grow up here because here it's, here it's dry. Yeah. Wow. Coleman, Gary Bullen, an NC State Farm Management Specialist, and others meet with the farmers regularly to help them learn about growing and marketing practices that are standard in North Carolina. Coleman says the learning goes both ways. We are working together because they know how to farm in Southeast Asia. The, the Southeast Asian food that they, they grow is very, very different. It's a big learning curve for me. They've been doing that forever in the, in the refugee camps. And so they know how to grow food. They just don't know how to grow this food in Piedmont, North Carolina. Tupa, the farmer growing the rice that Tussaw pointed out, agrees. She notes that the seasons, the weather patterns, and the insects she experiences as a farmer in North Carolina are much different than those she faced when helping her parents farm in Burma and when gardening in the refugee camp in Thailand. Farming is also hard here because the Karen garden doesn't have tractors or lawnmowers and the fencing hasn't been enough to stop rabbits. They've secured funding for a hoop house and a well, but they don't yet have money for electricity that would allow them to operate the greenhouse that's under construction. For the help she's received, Tupa expresses gratitude. She speaks in the Karen language, and Tusaw interprets for her. The first gratefulness for to every helper is you no. Know, they open up an opportunity for us to grow in the open field and wider place before we have a chance to grow this only in our small space backyard. Now we get to manage to grow in a big space like this. So, so, so that is very you know, beneficial for me.
Number one reason. The other reason is yeah, we are very thankful to them to help us to learn to legalize our farm to follow the laws and rules here. It's legalized under the rules now of North Carolina. So. Another caring gardener, Satin, says the project has been about more than simply growing food. At the farm, families are able to enjoy fresh air and their health improves. Their children put away their video games and get to see how to plant and grow water gourds, rice, and other traditional crops. It's not just about growing plants for today, she says. It's about sharing a culture far into the future. Again, Tucson interprets. When you started this project is not only for our generation, for our children generation will come. Current people are the, almost all of them are growers of plants. In harvest time, they come together, they enjoy. That is the way and culture of Karen people in Burma. But that culture is, you know, continual today. We wanted to bring back those to our children in the future generation here in America. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode. To learn more about the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences and our podcast, visit go.ncsu.edu farms. While you're there, share your thoughts. We'd love to get your ideas and to hear what topics you'd like for us to explore in the future.